listening to First Church Charlotte. We are on our last uh, Sunday of our uh, series entitled Chasing Dreams about the life of Joseph. Um, I, I have found this to be very helpful for me. Sometimes I'm guilty of preaching what I need and it blessing you also. And so I, I think this series has been something I very much needed. Um, I, I set a goal at the first of this year to try to preach messages that were as valuable on Monday as they were on Sunday. And I, I confess, as a minister, there's always a temptation to try to be powerful. Because who doesn't want to be powerful? I mean, woo, powerful. Um, but I, I sometimes wonder, uh, I sometimes fear that we can make a, a inspiration itself our goal. And uh, inspiration is a great Sunday message, but it's not necessarily a great Monday message. Um, a message for Monday is something you can take with you and will make your life better. You can carry it into the nitty-gritty of your life, and that's that's my goal. So I am going to close out this series called Chasing Dreams with this uh, message today entitled, Surely God Will Visit You. I'm going to read Genesis 50. Turn with me very quickly. Let's stand very quick. I know you haven't got enough up and down yet today, and so I'm going to give you a little bit more up and down, and then we are going to get in the word of the Lord. Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, so will surely visit you. God will surely visit you. Before you're needed, uh, seated uh, or needed, <laughs> um, uh, fist bump your neighbor and say, it's not all about me, just so you know. God will surely visit you. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So we have journeyed through the life of Joseph, and we have seen him first as a young man awakened to the possibility of divine destiny. I think God has purpose for all of us. I think sometimes we fail to reach what that purpose could be. I think sometimes we talk ourselves out of the work we could do for God if we were willing to take some chances and make ourselves a little bit uncomfortable. So I'm going to pause right there so you can let that kind of settle in. Let me, let me say it another way. I think you would be surprised what you would do for God and what you could do for God if you would take some chances and push yourself out of your comfort zone. Yes. And I pray that every one of us has a sense of divine destiny on our life. I don't mean in a grandiose sense. I've been involved in the work of God all my life and in some, what, almost... I mean, I grew up in the church. I, I was the kid that slept under the pew. Uh, the only way they could get me to stop sleeping under the pew was give me the microphone, and then I made sure everybody else was sleeping under the pew. And uh, then I was the church drummer. I've done everything there is to do in the church besides uh, ladies' ministries. And um, for a while when I was single, I tried out for that, but they wouldn't, you know, it didn't work so well. Um, church is what I know. Uh, churches, churches, sometimes I feel like church is all I know. Um, church and ministry, it's like been a, uh, it's like been a, a, a river, an ocean I've spent my life in. And I, um, I, I really believe, I really believe that God has, um, uh, that, that there is opportunities available to 
even those of us who often low rate ourselves and talk ourselves out of really trying. We, we want to do something. We, you know, we, we want to see God use, but we'd just be happy if he just used someone else. But here's the thing. God placed you uniquely in your world. Nobody else is placed like you are. And because God has so placed you, God needs you to represent something to your world. Y'all going to hear me today? I might better say that one again. Because you are uniquely placed, you are uniquely appointed. You are God's plan to make a difference in your world. He has appointed you and he has placed you and he has empowered you and he seeks to awaken you. Somebody say, wake me up, God. He He seeks to wake you up to what you could do if only you would. And so as a, as a preacher today, I, I want you to be awakened to what God can do through you, what God can do in you. Uh, and I want you to believe that because God has this investment in you, and because God has placed you strategically, and he has promised to empower you with his anointing and his, his blessing, I want you to have a spiritual awakening, or let me say it this way. I want you to have a dream in your spirit that you may not understand all of it, but you have this sense that God could use me for something I may not understand today, but God is stirring me to have some kind of impact somehow on somebody in the name of Jesus. And again, I say amen. Do you see? That is the awakening of spiritual destiny in your life. And, 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 and a lot of times you go from awakening to preparation. You go from awakening to becoming. And so you see in Joseph's, uh, Joseph's life, he goes from the dream to the trial. And he serves God through it all. We cannot be those people who try a little bit and then quit the first time there's trouble. We give up the first time there's struggle. Struggle is what we overcome in order to have a testimony to give to somebody else. We can't give up with setback. You can't give up with trouble. I have most thought, most of my ideas have been bad, but I'm not going to try. Stop trying to have good ideas. Most of my efforts have been, at least from certain perspectives, a failure, but I don't want to stop trying because it's out of the trying that we become what God can use. And so... I want to. I want to just. First of all, I want to. Uh, I want to be aware of how how we can be isolated in our spirit, uh, and we can push the body of Christ away from us. And if I'm going to preach a message entitled "Surely God Will Visit You," I probably should start by saying something to those of you who feel isolated in your spirit. I want to stand with Joseph and with the same confidence that Joseph doesn't just speak to his brothers, but he speaks to the generations. And he says, surely God will visit you. I want to say that same, I want to speak that same kind of faith, that same kind of hope over your life. Yes, surely God will visit you. You are not alone. I want to, I want to point out a three lies that hell wants you to believe. Number one, because I feel loneliness, that means I am alone. That is a lie. 
Just because you feel loneliness does not mean you are alone. God said he would be with you. Can I have a big amen? God said that he would never leave you. God said that a mother could forget her nursing child before he would forget you. And even if he were the forgetful type, he has engraven you in the palms of his hands. You are not alone. Do not believe the emotions of loneliness. Number two, this is the lie. No one understands what I'm going. Not many new desires under the sun. We are all of us, shall we say, in some version, uh, human retreads. One writer said it like this. There's no temptation except that which is common to man. However you feel, however the enemy of your soul lies to you and makes you feel like others don't understand, I think you would be surprised to know how many people have walked through the same storms and lived through the the same trials, and they are committed to being used of God in spite of the things they've come through, or shall we say, because of the things they have come through. Number three, God must not love me because I feel so isolated. It is a lie. You are judging your sense of divine love on your capacity to feel connected. And I want to show you that God's capacity to love is much greater than your capacity to be connected. We, all of us, must work for connection. Your social media does not count as connection. Your three friends at work, who you kind of talk to occasionally is not enough. If you're going to be a person of faith, you need to be joined together with other pilgrims and strangers and you need to see you are encompassed about with a great host of witnesses who through faith overcame, through faith they believed, through faith they trusted. You are not alone. So I want to speak with Joseph. And I want to say, surely God will visit you. I know you've had a tough year. Surely God will visit you. I know you felt like you've had your insides ripped out a few times in the last year. Surely God will visit you. I know you felt like there was no place for you. Surely God will visit you. You feel like you're a fish out of water. Surely God will visit you. I speak it as a man of faith today. God is going to visit you. And so Joseph, we see him now at the end of his life, and it's, it's an amazing life. It's an amazing life. I keep preaching to this side of the church. Maybe I'm trying to pray people over here. I don't know what's going on here. Uh, glad to have uh, uh, this, uh, uh, Cedric and Nicole, Cedric White and Nicole White. Did I get that right? Uh, now, this is uh, Nathan Mellix's, our worship pastor, his sister and his brother-in-law. Now, we brought them up here to try to help us pray Nathan through. That's, that's really, I was like, like God, what next? And he said, call their family. Maybe that'll help. And so that's why they're here. These are lovely people, super talented people. We're honored to have him here. And uh, so uh, I, want you to, I want you to see, I want you to see he has lived this astonishing life. Joseph has lived this astonishing life. Um, he, he goes from being a younger son, which in this time comes with consequences, uh, to being hated by his brethren, to being awakened by 
destiny. That's what the dreams do. And instead of being awakened to destiny and then given a title, he's awakened to destiny and then thrown into the trial of his life. And so here he is. Uh, he, he lives as, as, as well as he can. Um, he, he chooses the right. He chooses to represent uh, the God of his fathers. Uh, he is honorable. He has a man, he's a man of integrity. And eventually in time, as we have seen through the story, God elevates him to the prime ministership of Egypt. And he administers the superpower of the day uh, with wisdom, and uh, all the Pharaoh can do is compliment what a great job he has done. They go through a famine, and they have plenty. They don't just have enough for themselves, but they have enough to feed the region, the world, the region of the world they are in. This is how the brothers, his brothers come back. His brothers who have sinned against him have to face their yesterdays. We preached about that last week, uh, and we saw how they did that, and we saw the value of that. And now, now uh, having been reconciled with his family, uh, we see Joseph at the end of his life. Uh, it's probably appropriate for all of us to see uh, and remind ourselves that we, you know, we are of few days. We are mortal. Um, this life as we know it is not forever. And so we want to be stewards of time. Uh, we want to be focused and, and right in our living. Can I have an agreement in the house? Uh, but he is now at the end of his life and he is, he sees what he has to give now. And he, you will see him at this moment. You will see him at this moment, uh, how shall we say, uh, die well. You will see him emphasize the right things. You will see him uh, get it. Um, and, and, and there's a few lessons here that I wanted to touch upon today because I feel like it's a great way to end this 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 series on chasing dreams. Uh, Joseph has faith at the end of his life, not just at the beginning of his life. It's a, it's a tragic thing to have a loss of faith in the later years of our life. We should guard our faith. It's a tragic thing to have walked so long and then get bitter at the end. You've come too far to get bitter. You've come too far. You need to keep your heart, the Bible says. Keep your heart. Don't get bitter now. Uh, and so the first thing that he does is he, he, he knows, he recognizes, he recognizes um, what God has promised to his father. So he is fourth generation. Uh, Abraham, his uh, great-grandfather, Isaac, his grandfather, uh, Jacob, his father, and he is fourth generation of the covenant. But he has attained more than any of them. Uh, he is at a higher level of social uh, status, a higher level of a career achievement, a higher level of geopolitical influence. He is really number two in the region of the world that they are in. Um, but even now, he is seeing the covenant in terms of others, not simply in terms of himself. It would have been so easy, and I, I know I'm giving you practical stuff here today, but this is intentional. This is not accidental. Um, it's so easy. It would have been so easy for him to redefine the promise in terms of what God had done for him and through him. That's not what uh, uh, Joseph does. Joseph does not redefine the promise in terms of his place. He holds to the promise that God gave to his his great-grandfather, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He holds to that. And so he says to his brethren, these are the same brethren that uh, were involved in uh, persecuting him, the same brethren who uh, sold him into slavery, the same brethren who have done him wrong and he has forgiven and he's been reconciled with. And he says 
to these people that he that have done him so wrong and he has he's reconciled he 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 gives them this promise look i'm going to die but uh, god will surely be with with you I, I love it when we can be mightily used of god but not need to make the kingdom of god about us I think it's so beautiful in the heart of Joseph. And I think if we, each of us, are going to be used of God, we we have to get a sense of this in our life. He's mightily used of God. He achieves things that no one else is ever going to achieve in the house of Israel. No one, you see, Israel, even when, when it becomes a nation, even when Solomon is the greatest king and raises the nation in uh, some importance, it is nothing compared to the superpower of Egypt, and Joseph is the head, the prime minister of this nation. Only the Pharaoh has authority beyond Joseph. This stature will never be attained again. It would have been easy for Joseph to allow this sense of, well, this is as good as it ever gets. This is as high as we're ever going to get. We're never going to have more power. Uh, He does not perceive the work of God through himself. He perceives the work of God through others. He doesn't say to them, look, you know, uh, God's blessed me, anointed me, and, you know, although you guys aren't going to get where I've gotten, I just want you to know there's still a little bit of blessing for you. No, he speaks with the voice of authority and says God is going to be with you. This is startling when you consider the fact that they are going to go downhill as a nation from this moment forward until they end up in slavery. Joseph knows what it is to be a slave. Joseph knows what it is to have uh, oppression placed upon him. And I'm sure as only a person who has been delivered from something can feel, I'm sure every bit of fabric in Joseph's being despises what it means to be a slave. He has suffered there. He has everything about him. Probably hates that. But that's what's going to happen. That's going to happen in the generations that that follow him. And yet, and yet, and yet, he can speak not just of what God has done for him, but what God will do for his brethren, for his sons, for for his family. And so he speaks these things and he declares himself, God is not simply my keeper and he's not simply one who has blessed me, but this work is for you. So there are five lessons, five lessons at the end of the life of, of Joseph and they are, they are seen in the kind of life Joseph lives here at the end. Number one, Joseph never doubts what God has promised. He does not question it. He doesn't say, well, maybe, you know, since the Lord brought us to Egypt, we should stay here in Egypt. He never doubts what God has promised. He knows from his youth that God spoke to his great-grandfather Abraham and said, you're going to go to a land that I have shown you, and I'm going to give you that land. You're going to walk through the height, the depth, and the breadth of it. I am going to give that to you. And so Joseph... He doesn't say, well, we're here now. We might as well become Egyptians. No, he holds to the promise that was made by covenant to Father Abraham. I pray that as a church, we continually are celebrating what God's going to do in somebody else. 
I'm going to try saying the same thing over here. I pray first church culture goes like this. God's blessed me so much, I hope he blesses you too. God's been so good to me, I hope he's good to you too. The true place of blessing is when I can pray for you to be blessed. You guys have heard me preach that before, and it's not a formula. You know, I'm, I'm, sus- I'm suspicious of formulas. Uh, we don't manipulate God. But I, I want you to see there is a scriptural principle where we place ourselves most strategically for blessing when we seek to bless others. There is no better odds you can ever find of you getting a blessing as when you bless others. In fact, in this divine kingdom, the way for you to have is for you to give. You want encouragement? Go give somebody encouragement. You'll be rich in encouragement. You feel alone, go show kindness to someone else and you will be rich in the very thing you need because in this kingdom there is no want. There is no shortage. And if you want more, you give it away because to him that hath, more shall be given. That's God's kingdom. Joseph does not doubt what God has promised. Number two, Joseph sees how he is connected to generations of believers. It's not just about what God's doing for him. He is connected to generations of of believers. And so he can speak to his family at the end of his life. When he's done the best he can do, he's, he's prayed as good as he can pray. He's and I'm using modern examples here, so you just indulge me. But he's, he's preached as good as he can preach. <laughs> he has administrated as good as he can ministrate. And what's left for him now is to bless those who will follow and to connect them to the generations of what God is, God is doing in the earth. We have to have that. We as a church have to have that connection. It's not just about me getting what I want. I must be connected to the body of Christ. I must be connected to what God is doing in this community. Number three, Joseph wants to be included in what God is doing even if he's dead. Don't separate me from what God is doing. I know I can't live forever. I know I can't. But I want you to bury me in an appropriate and portable box so that when the Lord fulfills his promise in you. I want you to take me with you because I am not an Egyptian. I know this has been a place of blessing for me. I know I have been a savior of sorts to the house of Israel by having prepared sustenance in the day of famine. But I am not an Egyptian. I am of the covenant. Hear me today, church. I hope you're blessed. I'm glad some of you guys are so rich, it hurts your back to carry your wallet around. It just, it's just exhausting to carry your wallet. But enough about Kenny. I'm not going to talk about Kenny anymore here today. It's just every time you put your wallet in your pack, yeah, that L45 just pops right out. And you're like, oh, you just have to give it to your wife because no woman's back has ever been hurt by carrying too much money. In the history of the world, no woman's back has ever been hurt by carrying too much money. You know that old story, you're not heavy, you're my brother? Women are like, you ain't heavy, you a Benjamin. (laughs) Moving along. Uh, I I, I want you to see, I want you to see that... um that uh, Egypt has been good to Joseph. He's blessed. I'm glad you guys are blessed, but this world is not our home. 
I hope you have the baddest house in your neighborhood. And I mean bad in a kid-like way since this is Super You Sunday. I hope you have the finest car on your block. I hope you do. But this world is not your home. I hope you are so good at your job. When you get at work, the boss chases you around and beats you with the money stick. I hope that happens. But I want to appeal to the eternal in you and say this world is not your home. You're just a passing through. You're just a passing through. God wants to connect you. He wants to keep you identified, not with the blessings of this world, but with the eternal covenant with God. And so Joseph wants to be included, even if he is dead. I would rather be a corpse with God than have the identity of the Egyptians as my heritage. And I want you to see something, and this is so important to me. I I think there's something here. I tried to express it earlier, and I I don't know if I got it out of my spirit, because a lot of times if I don't get it out of my spirit, I I find myself in my office trying to re-preach it, but no one wants to hear it again. So, uh, I, Joseph, Joseph, he gets what Egypt is. He doesn't have to hate Egypt. He just, he understands it, and he's not impressed. You see, I think, okay, so sometimes us Christians, us, us, us conservative, kind of hardcore, serious, high, convic- high conviction, high commitment people, I think we think, we make this era of thinking the right way to feel is to hate the world. And I don't know if that's helpful to us. How many unchurched friends do you have? I hope it's a lot. I, I, more than that, I hope you have some agnostic friends. I hope you have some, some uh, even atheist friends. I, I, hope, I hope they don't feel contempt from you. Right. Yeah. Amen. Come on now. Amen. And if their worldview tempts you, what you haven't understood it, once you understand it, it doesn't tempt you anymore. You see, this is what Joseph gets. He doesn't have to hate Israel. Excuse me, Egypt. He doesn't have to hate Egypt. He can see what Egypt is. If we fill ourselves with this this kind of uh, righteous contempt for this old world, it's getting worse and worse. Yes, it's getting worse and worse. It says so in the scripture. But if we fill ourselves with that kind of reinforcement, it makes, us re- it makes it really difficult to be kind to sinners because we're so impressed by their sin. You shouldn't be impressed by sin. You should be impressed by grace. You, you, we, we shouldn't get into this need to hate the world. No, it just is what it is. It's a mission field. The Bible doesn't tell us to hate the world. It tells us to love God. Do you see? And so Joseph doesn't have to hate Egypt. All he has to do is understand it. I'm here for a time. But this world is not my home. That is how we can have influence in our society. We don't have to ooze contempt out of every pore in our body and somehow speak harshly and ugly. Yeah, they sin. They're sinners. That's what sinners do. And the truth is, you be a sinner too. Now, that's the Nathaniel-approved version, also known as the NJV, Nathan Joel version. We, uh, we don't have to hate it. We simply, it's hard to reach people if you don't like people. That's right. 
Quit letting their sin make you hate them or dislike them. Love them. Love them. Love them. Don't, don't end, oh, I know I'm going to, I'm going to meddle here. You're going to be mad at me. Yeah, I'm going to meddle. Don't end relationships with family members because you don't approve of their life. That's their life. It's not your life. Love them. Be kind to them. I don't care what they did over the weekend. It was their choice. God gave them that choice. It's called sovereignty. But God gave us a choice too. And I choose to love them. And I choose to believe that one day God is going to pick them up out of the sin they're living in. Musicians come. I'm almost done. I, I have more, but I, I'm going to try to wind this up. Uh, next, Joseph uh, doesn't have a psychological to need to believe the work of God ends with him. He doesn't have this personality need to feel like he is the apex of what God is doing. In many ways, in the history of Israel, he is the apex. And certainly for the group he's talking to, the brothers he's talking to, he is the apex. No one's ever going to rise as high as he has. But he doesn't have this need to exalt self at the expense of others. He includes he embraces and he says, surely God is going to visit you. My whole hope, my whole desire uh, is that you talented people, you lovely, talented people. Just as a side note, I believe in you. I believe in you. That's why I try so hard to show you my affections when I see you at church. It, I, don't, I don't have to fake it. I, I have affection for you. I love you. I want to I lift you up. I want to tell you you're stinking awesome, so take a shower. I, I want to tell you. I want to believe in you. And I hope to awaken a sense of spiritual destiny in you. Where you say, man, I don't even know where to begin, but I just feel like there's something I can do for the kingdom of God. I don't even know exactly, but I out of the dream comes the divine preparation, the becoming. You try, you learn, you try, you fail. You don't give up. You don't suck your thumb. You don't get mad. You just cross, go, get your $200 from Brother Ed, and you keep on going. That's all you do. Again and again, and you become, and you become. And a day comes where your dream, your vision is met by your preparation. And when the destiny is met by preparation, you discover divine elevation. And he places you in the moment, the place, in the hedge, <laughs> the gap in the hedge. He places you. You do this great work for God. And then what you do with that work is you include others in it and give it away. Yes. And you say, God will surely bless you. And so I want to say to all our young people, I want to say to all our young Christians, you'll probably be better at this than any of us. We believe in you. I believe, I believe, I believe you probably can preach better than me. Not anytime soon. You've got to have a lot of failure. But then, yes, boom. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm having fun with this, but I want you to see. You don't hoard it 
It's not about us. We're awakened to destiny. We commit ourselves to becoming. We find integrity in those tests. Out of destiny, preparation comes divine elevation. That's where mission is done. That's where we make a difference for our world. And then rather than hoarding it to ourselves, we give it away. Surely God will visit you. Whatever is in your heart to do, whether it's to invite a friend to church, that's why we're, 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 uh, we're baptizing uh, Keisha today. Excited about that. She was invited to our church by Tammy Smith. And uh, they uh, both work at a hospital. And they were, she was invited. And, of course, her sister came down and encouraged her, try to straighten her out. But we have to pray her sister through, too, because God knows what's going on right there. I just all I got to say about that. But uh, I'm going to have an extra baptism for you, just, just a separate one for you with the holy water. We're going to use normal water for her, but the holy water for you. You see, she invited, whatever it is, if it's inviting a friend to start making a, a connection to the body of Christ, to, to teaching a, a home Bible study, to asking a coworker if you can pray for him, to starting a small group, to volunteering with kids ministries, to getting involved in a, one of the service ministries of the church, whatever it is, whatever you can be awakened to in your heart, I want to speak with the voice of Joseph and I want to say, surely God will visit you. I want to dream. I want to dream. I called Anthony last night. I'm like, Anthony, we've got to get in touch with every halfway house anywhere around the church. We've got, we've got to find anybody that wants to have a service. We've got to find out if they need a service at the Salvation Army, bless God. We've got to find everybody. We've got to meet everybody because there's pearls of revival hidden all around this city. And we've got to go search for them. Whatever it is, I speak this over your destiny, your calling, your talents, your divine elevation. I speak this and I say, surely God will visit you. He's going to be with you. He's going to anoint you. And the half has not been told what God can do through your talents and your abilities. This preacher believes in you. This preacher believes in you. Gwen, this preacher believes in you. John, this preacher believes in you. Israel, my friend, this preacher believes in you. Surely God will be with you. Hallelujah. Would you help me worship the Lord all across the house as we stand together? Hallelujah. Would you... Would you step out of the chair you're in right now and just make your way down here to the front? And as you come, would you consider in your heart what the vision that God would give you could be? What the dream that God could awaken in you? What could that be? Would our guests and friends, feel free to come with us. Would you step out of your, step out of your chair? We won't embarrass you in any way. That's not how we operate here. We will host you very appropriately. Just feel free to come with us. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus, I'm praying for every individual in this house, God. I'm praying that you would awaken us to the challenge that is before us. I'm praying that you would awaken us to the opportunities that are in our generation, oh God. I want you to awaken us to 
the people that no one else will ever teach them a Bible study, but we can teach them a Bible study. No one else maybe will ever ask to to visit them in the hospital and pray with them or even bring one of the, the pastor staff from the church and pray for them. No one else will ask them if they can bring their kids to church for them. But Lord, we're going to do it and we're going to make that effort. Lord, I'm praying your anointing upon this people here today. I pray that your Holy Ghost anointing would flow through every ministry of this church, through every volunteer of this church, through every Sunday school teacher, flow through our pastoral staff, oh God, flow through our worship team, Lord Jesus, flow into every small group, I pray, Lord God, we are hungry to see what you would do through your people, in Jesus' name we pray, in Jesus' name we pray. If you have a need here today and you'd like to be prayed for, don't don't be bashful. Please step forward. Come up to the front. Let one of our ministers know the prayer request. Let them speak the name of Jesus over you. If you have... Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us. 